right, welcome to Born to Sell Denver, where we talk about real estate and how to be successful in real estate. We're going to talk today about uh, the statistics and the numbers and what the Denver area is seeing right now. Uh, So our guests uh, today are Keith Alba, uh, Tyson Mullis, and Sean Modry. So first, before we get started, uh, let's hear a little bit about each of you. So Keith, you want to start? Sure. Uh, yeah, as Brian said, uh, my name is Keith Alba. I am the employing broker over at Keller Williams Advantage, one of the partners at my home team, which is a real estate team out of the office here. And then one of the, we also have a property management division that operates out of this brokerage firm. So, Very cool. Okay. Tyson. Tyson Mullis, um, Ford & Associates, powered by the Phoenix. And... Um, Yep, just a partner with the Phoenix Group, one of the largest groups in the Keller Williams now team structure in the Denver metro area, and been in the real estate for 11 years now, and I've I've only, since 2011 then? Since 2011, almost 12 years, uh, I've only seen the market go up, and today we get to talk about the market going down. Okay, very cool. Sean? Yeah, Sean Modry, I've uh, been in real estate 20... Seven years in October. Oh, man. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. It feels more like 50. Three. Feels Look at you. <laughs> How'd you get your wheelchair in here? Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, I'm probably most known. I'm an author and a blogger for theclothes.com. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Thanks, guys, for being here. Uh, I'm Brian Smith, by the way. Um, and I've been in real estate now for, geez, 25, 26 years. So you got me by a year, Sean. And, but it uh, looks like it. Yeah. <laughs> he does look a lot younger than me, doesn't he? It's clean living, I guess. Um, and so let's talk about the uh, the numbers first. Keith, you want to give us the rundown of what the market looks like in the Denver metro area? Yeah, I found it interesting, Tyson, as you said, the market's going down because the numbers don't actually support that. Um, when we're comparing February to January, so month over month, Average close price jumped to 718999 which was just shy of a 4% increase over January. To be expected, I would say, you know, with the seasonality that we experience in Colorado towards the end of the year, winter months definitely start slowing down. You start seeing prices rescind a little bit. And then as you approach the spring, it starts coming back. Um, and that's kind of what I'm seeing is the listings that are... The beauties um, staged well, looked well, priced appropriately. We're starting to see multiple offers again in this market. So, Yeah, there's a guy actually on YouTube right now who's getting a lot of clicks, and he's talking about how the market uh, nationwide is actually going down by 30%. And um, it's interesting because I don't think there's any statistics out there that support that. Uh, but we're going to talk about a couple other numbers that he's using to uh, prove his point, but let's continue on with uh, uh, the next numbers. I think if you're talking, maybe if he's referring to actual closed units, that's where we're going to see, you know, the numbers that are probably dropping in that. But in terms of pricing and that kind of stuff, we're definitely seeing it it's closing up. When we jump in, the seven eighteen nine ninety nine was for single family detached properties. When we get into the attached properties or a closed, uh, the average closed price in that market was. Uh, 455,673. So that was also a, you know, an increase, not as much as the detached. So that was only 2.1% over the month of January, but definitely seeing prices start to climb again. 
Okay. Active listings, I think, is where we're going to see the biggest piece, right? Um, and kind of goes into what we were just talking about in terms of closed units. For February, the active units were 3,518, and that is a 19.3% decrease from, February, or from January. Yeah, generally, as the months go on, as we get closer to the spring, you see an increase in that number, but we actually saw a decrease in the number of listings. And I would assure Keith is right. I mean, when we're looking here at the average close price, it is up from last month 4%. So that's from last month. But from last year, we're down 2.3%. And this is the trend that I'm getting at is not from last month, but from year over year, the good times have come and gone. That's all I'm going to share. Okay. <laughs> and, and I think one of the things, though, when you talk about the average sales price, that's the average based on the properties that sold, right? So if you have a you know, $10 million house that sells in the Denver metro area, that might drag that number up. If you have more lower-priced homes uh, selling, that might bring that number down, right? So what is selling and what isn't selling right now? Is it the high-end market that's selling or the low-end market that's selling? Well, I'll just say, Mike, my opinion on this, not to answer your question because I don't have the answer to that question, <laughs> um, but my you know, we saw this last year. We saw the same occurrence last year during January and February. Um, and even into March, we saw prices rising aggressively. And then we saw it fall off a cliff by late June, mid-July. I mean, it was it was a different market completely. Yeah, it was the ice bucket challenge, right, to the yeah. real estate market. When interest rates rocketed up like that, it was just a big, cold bucket of ice water that got thrown on the buyers out there. So I think to most real estate agents, I think it's don't believe the hype. Okay. Tell me more about that. Or what don't do you mean? smell your own Yeah, well. <laughs> hype. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is, uh, you know, if you're overly aggressive, like with your marketing, your social media, that kind of stuff now, and you're saying, hey, the market's up, it's going to be great, um, you know, and you take those listings, you're going to likely put too much confidence into those sellers. They're going to want to price high. They're going to be too strong in the market, and then they're going to sit, and you're going to end up hurting them, right? Right. Absolutely. In fact, the guy that I was talking about on YouTube, what he's actually telling people is, there was a period of time, I think, where we all were pushing the values, and we'd mm -hmm. say, okay, um, I think your house is worth 950000 but uh, I think I might be able to get you a million. And so you might list it at a million, and because there were so many buyers for every listing in the market, then they were getting a million dollars, right? So now that same house that's worth nine fifty, that's listed at a million is getting a price reduction of $50,000, or maybe $100,000. So his theory is, well, the market went down 5% in the last three months. Well, that's not the case, okay? It's more what he's actually saying is, is that the agent's uh, pricing of houses is the determination of whether a market has gone up or down. Hmm. And so this the number about average sales price, I think, is a little sketchy in my mind because, you know, you don't really know what's selling and, and what isn't selling. I think you have to look at both markets, the high-end market and the low-end market, to really determine whether things are going up or down. I'd probably make an argument right now, based on what I've seen in the market, that the high-end market is probably coming down a little bit, but the entry-level market, the lower-priced homes, are probably still going up. Yeah, we definitely have an affordability issue in, in the Denver metro area. 
So anything that's in that that lower price point um, is going to ha- attract a lot of buyers to, the, to it, and so you're going to see some pressures there. Again, I would the high end market, I would say, isn't appreciating as fast as it was. So if you want to call that a down market, then then I would agree with that. But there is still appreciation that's coming that's out there. I, mean, I just put a buyer under contract for just over a million dollars on a property, and we were in a multiple offer situation on that one. So a million dollar track home. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> it's an expensive place to live. Denver, it is for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think it's all about perspective too. This information, the data that we're all looking off of. Let's thank Land Title for putting this out. What's fun about it is it shows the last five years. Mm-hmm. And this is one of my ahas from it was for the average close price in starting in 2019, we were at 500,000 at the end of the year. 2020, we were at 600,000. 2021, we were at 700,000. So we're appreciating 100,000, nearly 100,000 every year the last three years. Last year, we by March we were easily on track to be a hundred thousand over again. Yep. And then things changed, and it came all the way back down to seven hundred thousand. Yeah. That's so like it. looking at the the line graph that I'm sitting here looking at, it's like the perspective of the last five years of real estate. I don't. It, again, we we all we all made hay in real estate, and things are changing now. So without looking at the data of the last five years, I'd love to know even before. Because I remember 2018, 2019, making good money, and then COVID happened, and there was like this weird little blip, and then, boom, it took off. Yeah. And then we made good money again the next two years. That's where I guess things are changing now, and it's like where things are trending. I just don't think, I don't, these, these, the same data isn't going to be the same. I, th- I think there's one big thing that we're overlooking that's not Unfortunately, it's not in our monthly stats, but it's something that occurred last year. It's a stat that came out last year. This is the first time it's happened in 20-plus years in the Denver market. What's that? Migration. Hmm. Okay. It was our first year of decline in migration in Colorado in 20-plus years. And so like, what puts pressure on housing is migration patterns, more than anything, because it puts pressure on rent, forces those renters into, you know, I, hey, I'm not going to pay $2,300 for a two-bedroom you know, I'm going to pinch and get into a $400,000, $450,000 house. It keeps that pressure on the housing. But if migration patterns continue to shift because of affordability, because of lack of, you know, high paying jobs that are keeping up with the high cost of housing, you know, and then businesses that leave because of the lack of affordability here or businesses that don't come because of the lack of affordability here. I think those are all the challenges that we're facing. Yeah, I think the other number in that, too, is also uh, new construction. Because you you only have, if, if there was no new construction, then there'd be the same number of houses to sell every year. But most of the new construction in Denver is rentals. Yeah. And so you see all the cranes and everything all over the place, but those aren't people that are going to be homeowners. There is an entire neighborhood near me, and I'm up against a front range, fairly wealthy area. 170 homes. Lennar built the whole neighborhood for BlackRock. They're all rentals. Build the rent. It's a big, big piece out there. Whole I mean, subdivision. The head funds and, and that kind of stuff see the opportunities and are definitely jumping into that rental game. <clears throat> but yes, I agree that the immigration and, and whatnot is something to keep an eye M- on. Migration. Migration. Immigration too. In and out. <laughs> right. 
Um, That's a different thing, Keith. <laughs> okay, migration. We'll use your word, Sean. Uh, but the, the, one of the other factors that we got to talk about is supply and demand, right? And you were talking a little bit about that. When we look at the numbers, in February, only 3,226 new listings came on the market. Yeah. Compare that to over 3,500 that went under contract in that same month. So we're already starting to feel this compression and, and less houses for the active buyers that are right. out there. And that trend continues. We will definitely see prices start appreciating well, again. At a, at we're, a still in a, we're still in an affordable market to other markets. There's yeah, still especially some. a lot of the ones that are moving here from, from yeah. California and some of the other places, mm-hmm. right? So, so we're in a seller's market. Would we all agree with that? Extreme. Yes. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do? What, where would it, what would it look like to get to a buyer's market? How many houses on the market do you think we would need to have in order to, well, let's talk about balance first. I mean, I think, we, you know, Sean, when you and I started in real estate, I remember uh, the first couple of years, there were about 7,000 homes in inventory. And right now, uh, Keith, what's our inventory that we currently have? I believe it's... Uh, 3,500, yeah. 3,518. This is at the end of February, right? So, and, and our population is almost almost doubled. Yeah, exactly. So, what would it? What's the inventory need to look like in order to be a balanced market? Well, if you're defining a balanced market as six months worth of inventory, I would say you take the pending listings times six. Yeah, that would be like eighteen thousand, right? Somewhere around there. I think that's maybe 21. A, a little high, but uh, I would probably guess at at least 10,000, right? Yeah. So think about that. So we would have to have two months of uh, new listings where nobody bought anything in order just to get to that point. And that's not going to happen, right? So it probably, we're still a couple years out from actually being a balanced market, I would probably guess at this point. All things remaining equal, I would agree with that, yeah. I mean, but there's a lot of external factors that can come into play on this stuff, too. And Yeah, I mean, you know, three of us were in business in 2008, and, you know, we're going gangbusters. Life is good. Everything's great. And then October of 08, Lehman Brothers shuts down. Jumbo loans go away. You know, they start changing financing requirements, and you're already hearing talk. You know, with Silicon Bank closing, they're already talking about changing financing requirements. There's chatter out there. Yeah, well, if you remember back, though, a lot of that was based on the uh, the the types of loans that banks were doing. I mean, you know, you could go get a loan for 103 percent of value of your home without documenting anything. Without documenting <laughs> anything, based on a on a FICO score, and but uh, but arguably you still can because if the house the last comp was 700 and you just made an offer at 750 and you're putting 5% down you might as well be paying 103% of value. Yeah, that's a good point. There's a good point. And a lot of that was based on people not having equity in their homes and short sales started hitting and people had less uh or they had no equity in their home and they were just giving them away basically mm-hmm. or giving them back. Or giving them back exactly foreclosures and such. And and I don't think we're there yet and I think because we're seeing an increase in value still in Denver, maybe not as fast as it was. Um, I'm not really too worried about that. I, I take it, Sean, you kind of see something like that coming down the road. No, but I think there's an important conversation to talk about the risks that are at hand. 
right? Like, um, you know, you know, Keith Cunningham, right? The road less stupid. He has a risk evaluation process, right? And he talks about, you know, what are the risks? If you're looking, if you're sitting here a year from now and you're thinking about your business or your real estate, you know, business or your real estate brokerage, however you want to look at that. And you said, oh, my business failed. What was the reason it failed? What are the things that could happen to make it fail? And then build a risk assessment plan against those things. And I think right now, you know, you know, to Tyler's point, you know, he's been in We're Tyson. 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 <laughs> Sorry. I get Tyler all the time. You're good. We're, we're all good friends. Yeah, I get Scott, exactly. you know. Exactly. Um but to Tyson's point, you know, you've been in the business 11 years, you've seen 11 years of up market. And it's not always that way. And what comes at you comes quick and it comes out of the closet. It's not in front of you. That's what I actually say about this last five years. The last half a decade of my business has skyrocketed. But the first five years, it was so fun. I would take buyers out and show them houses all day long. And then they would say, let's go see more next week. Yeah. And we'd go look at more. Right. And then you'd, see, you'd actually become friends with your buyers because you show probably 20 plus houses. Yeah. Right. And then uh, a listing that would take, I mean, you would expect three to six months to sell a listing. Yeah. Right, I, we've all got skewed yeah, with the numbers on three to six hours. Yeah. You know, remember the art of negotiation. Wow. Remember that the good time. Yeah, that was the good time. Now <laughs> it's speak, like, yeah. What does your seller want? Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and speaking of that, uh, what are we looking at, Keith, for average days on uh, market and uh, close to list price? Currently running forty-seven days um, average in the in the MLS, and then. Percent of uh, close price to list price is ninety eight point nine percent as of the end of February. Okay, and that's a big change from last year, where uh, it was a hundred and four percent, hundred and four point seven percent of list value. So houses were selling for more than what they were listing for, and now uh, there actually is some art of negotiation going on, and, and we're starting to hear about uh, buyer paid close. I'm sorry, seller paid closing costs, and. Um, paying points and all kinds of different things to actually get deals done. So I think that's kind of cool that that's actually coming back. And that's one of my favorite things to do is to negotiate. And that's a skill that all agents need to have. All right. So any other numbers that are important right now? I was talking with one of my uh, preferred lender partners this morning, and he was made the statement that because of Silicon Valley Bank and that closure and the other bank that just recently closed, there's actually downward pressure on the interest rates currently which is a great thing for the buyers that are out there. If those interest rates drop a full percent, another 500,000 buyers are going to be able to qualify in the market for the same houses. Wow, that that's that's there. pretty significant, right? right? And I think right now, actually, the government is putting things into place uh, to protect the banks and to protect the consumers. Uh, but also the Fed probably is going to pull back a little bit on raising interest rates. I think everybody was expecting a half percent increase this go-around. And um, I'm not sure that's going to happen now. What do you guys think? I don't know what you're listening to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's not what I'm hearing. I'm hearing the opposite. I'm hearing a for sure February or March 22nd. They're definitely raising it a half point. And to catch up with inflation, the realistic number to increase interest rates to is double digits. The realistically to get the to get it down to two percent within a reasonable amount of time, they got to go to double digit interest rates. And that's what I'm hearing. I'm not sure. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't either. think it's going to happen, but, but how long can we sustain growth at 7%? Well, 
Well, a lot of that, though, is also uh, based on uh, unemployment, too. It was six this morning. Yeah, it is six now. 6.53 Six point five three or something. <laughs> six. The CPI came out this morning at That's six. Okay. Straight up six. Yep. Right. So unemployment in Denver as of uh, the end of February is two point seven percent. Okay. And so, um, and I don't know about you guys, but everywhere I go, I see uh, help wanted signs. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of jobs out there. And uh, I think when you have high or low unemployment, you've got a lot of money in the market, right? And so. Um, Inflation is the result of a lot of things, but one of the most important things is is how much money is out there in the market, right? And so we all feel it. We go to the grocery store and we're paying $6 for a dozen eggs. And uh, because there's so much money out there, people are going to keep buying, right? And so inflation, I think, is a long project, but I also think that um, – you know, the Fed is probably going to cool off on raising rates. So we'll see which one of us is right. We can have a little side bet going, Sean. We're definitely going to put money on that one. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually in the middle of, of both of you guys. I'm What the chatter I'm hearing is a quarter point is what's expected uh, from the Feds next. All right. I like what Gary Keller said last month at Family Reunion that he's like, in our lifetime, you will never see 4% again. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe never, fi- never five, actually, see? is what there you he said. Go. So, and it, it, I guess that's the thing too is affordability because inventory is low, house prices have gone up and interest rates were low in this last half a decade. So, affordability has been at its all time highest. Now that interest rates have gone up because supply is still low, demand has gone down because of affordability. And that's where I think that there's like me personally, this March of 2022 the stat that we're looking at i personally believe that will be the highest average sales price in the denver metro area for the next decade wow mm-hmm. that's wow. my prediction There's write a- that down record this wait we are that's good yeah <laughs> that's my thing so we're peaking we've month. already saw the we peak peaked. we saw in 2022 Uh-oh. we peaked gotcha and that was it so again if i could have sold all my properties then if i was you know when you talk to a seller and they're like you know, if I had sold my house in this market and bought in this market, well, that market's gone, and it's still a great time to sell because it's a still a seller's market. But we're at the top; it's just the peaks. We're we're past the peak. That's my prediction. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, all right. So now that we know all the numbers, so what does an agent need to do in order to be successful in this market? Now, Sean, you just wrote an article for the close about uh, competing and being successful in this market. So, what would you say? Well, you know, in in that article, I reflected back on you know, the shift that we saw in 2008, 2009, and, you know, our observation of watching agents who are used to the phone ringing, right? And back then, you know, real estate was very much marketing-based, right? Your postcards, your farming, and, and uh, you know, sign calls, those kind of things, you know, rate, maybe one or two agents had radio ads, but that was about it. And social media was barely, uh, and it's still, it's in its infancy in comparisons. But, you know, a lot of agents relied on marketing and advertising, and we're already seeing that, yeah, you can spend your advertising dollars now, but your cost per conversion for a closing is going way up because, yeah, you might be able to generate the calls, but can they qualify, right? Or or do they really want to sell? Like how many, how many sellers are you going to meet with that it just doesn't make financial sense for them to downsize from their 3,600-square-foot house to a 20 to, to a 2,000-square-foot ranch and pay, have their mortgage go up by, you know, 
a thousand or even a couple hundred still. Yeah. You're paying way more for less. For, for and, and downsizing in size and price. Right. And your payment goes up. And they probably have a 3% interest rate on that house that they're selling, yeah, right? Exactly. And so sticker shock in terms of 3 to 6.5% or whatever the rates are when yeah. they go to buy is a big factor, I think. There's got to be a lot of pain for these sellers to get out and walk away from mortgage that's got a super low rate like that. I bet you two-thirds of the sellers that I'm talking to that are actually going to go on the market are moving out of state. Hmm. Yeah. Or selling a rental or something. That's yeah. what I'm talking to as well. Mm-hmm. They're, again, they're capitalizing while they can on this market while prices are still high. And so I totally agree. Like I was thinking about this. What are we at? Mid-March. And I was thinking about my buyer pool. And I was like, wait a second. They're only cash buyers. Mm-hmm. I have not spoken to anyone that's like, sign me up for 7%. You know, they're all holding tight, figuring things out, seeing where the market's going. I think a lot of people... What I've noticed, too, is when the market is volatile, you know, your stocks and all those type of things, once, once that starts getting messed with, a lot of people pull back. Mm-hmm. And so right now, a lot of people are just kind of holding on to their money. Heck, I don't even trust the banks right now. I'm like, yep. I wish I had $250,000 in a bank. But if I had more than that, I'd be putting it into another bank as well. That's right. Right? So it's these type of things. It's like, I'm going to hold my money. And based on that, the motivation has to be strong. Yeah for me to want to move and, and or buy. And that's the point of where marketing fails, yeah. right? Because when somebody's in financial duress, call it divorce, death, sure. they got laid off on their job. I, I met with somebody and, you know, he quit his job during COVID. And he was like, oh, my employer didn't respect me. He had a great job. <laughs> he was probably going to, he probably wanted to become a podcaster. <laughs> He did. Yeah, he totally is. But uh, no, he wanted to become a fix and flipper. Uh, even better, right? Yeah. What's what's more challenging than podcasting is flipping houses. And so he quit his great job at a great company, and he hasn't been able to find other work. At, at least nothing that would pay him anywhere, not even 50% of what he was making, right? And he's got an expensive home outside of Boulder, Colorado, and... You know, and so these people aren't reaching out, right? You know, he's still thinking, I'm going to find a job. He's three months in forbearance, right, at this point. And, you know, that's a motivated seller. So so what do you got to do is you've got to go find it, right? Right. Right. Actually, I mean, doesn't this always come down to finding the motivated? Oh, so, you know, that guy is pretty motivated, right? But also people who are getting married yet. What's that? He's motivated, but he may not know it yet. He's that's delusional true. right now. <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing is, is back in 2008, there were a lot of people like that, right? Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of people who were like, well, I'll pull out. I've, you know, I'll figure it out. And, I mean, six months creeps up on you pretty quickly. I figured out is not a solution. Yeah. Yeah. That is not a solution. Right. But anyway, so getting back to that, I mean, there's always going to be people who have kids and get divorced and people who get married and people who get job transfers and people who get promoted. And uh, and so I think it always comes down to finding the motivated, right? So what's the best way to go do that? Well, I think there is a difference in the motivation, though, because in an up market, you have positive motivation. Take advantage of your equity, move up, get a prettier house, move into this better neighborhood. Now this is more going to be negative motivation, right? Like, because to Keith's point, with a 3% interest rate, I don't care how pretty your kitchen is. I ain't moving. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I passed on a house that was 200,000 less than my house that back to a lake. I loved it, but I don't want my payment to go up. 
right? Like, I'm like, I'm good. I'll sit it out. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Tyson? Finding the motivated? Well, just what do you need to do to be successful as an agent in this market? Yeah. That's why I came here. I was hoping you guys would give me the answer. <laughs> so, um, I'm really big into how many real estate conversations are you having? Mm. That's it. So if I can have more real estate conversations in a day, then I can find if you're motivated or not. So how do I do that? It's, I, I don't like to call people I don't know. I like to call people I do know. So I reach out to them, find out what they're doing, how they're doing, what are their thoughts on everything, and just have a conversation. Because there is going to be somebody that's going to share that they're going through some, something and that you can help. Right. Right. And again, so here I am. If someone were to tell me last March, hey, Tyson, you can sell all your rentals for top dollar because the market won't be this high again for the next decade. Would you like to sell your rentals? And I would seriously consider what I might do with that money, depending on how much Uncle Sam took. Mm-hmm. Right. Being a property manager, you're way undercharging on your rent. So you're not going to get top dollar <laughs> for your rentals when you sell them. Tyson. <laughs> No, no, I'd kick them out, sadly. Just joking. He's too nice. No, he is Keith, too nice. Keith knows too much about me. Um, and then I love, our team keeps going back to, we just keep saying, back to the basics. Right? Like, let's go work again. Mm-hmm. So previously, to work and grow your database, you had to have real estate conversations with people. And how do you do that? How do you want to do that? Preferably, I'm best when I'm in front of people. So I like to hold open houses. Cause that's when I get to meet new people and ask new questions. And if we connect, cause real, real estate is a relationship business and I only want to work with people that I want to work with. And I only want people to work with me cause they want to work with me. And so that's where I like to continue to maintain. Cause right now, I don't know if you guys are feeling this, but I'm working twice as hard for twice as less compared to the last five years. As long as you're making money. Hey, no doubt. <laughs> hey. but again, we've also shared like what we're really big into uh, cutting our expenses. Yeah. Not this is the year of not living bougie, mm. right? And so I think. But here's the thing: I'm doing it, and I know that my friends and peers and family members are all cutting back as well because of inflation, right? I just heard this the other day. A teammate's husband said, "Anytime you go out, hundred dollars." Oh yeah, hundred dollars. Yeah, fact, hundred dollars. That's like one trip to Chipotle with, <laughs> for me and my family. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Seriously. So, so again, the. Cost of living is going up. So uh, Gary shared, what was it? 60-something percent of your income goes to a mortgage, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, we've been used to not living that way. Our mortgage has been less, and we've been able to go out and, you know what? I'm going to spend $200 tonight, mm-hmm. right? True. See? Mm-hmm. But now, nope. <laughs> I bring, well, my, well, I bring and, my own booze and, in a pocket kind of thing. Just and, and to <laughs> add to that, though, because it's it's not only that, it's like when interest rates went down, a lot of people went out and upgraded their house. Yep. They were like, hey, if we can squeeze into this house, you know, 4500 a month, we can make this work. And, and yeah, it's 60% of their income. But that's not the only cost of housing, right? Our taxes, right? I don't know about you. My tax bill is getting crazy. Yep. Like utilities, gas, electricity, everything's, yep. everything's so yep. much more money. So now you have these, you know. I have a big house. You know, I have a lot of kids, seven bedroom house. And, you know, most of my kids moved out now. I still got to heat and cool this thing. Yep. Like, ah, what am I going to do in August? Nope. Put a hoodie on. Get a blanket. Seriously. That's yeah. it. Totally. <laughs> We're going to be walking around in bathing suits. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Keith. So what do you think? 
What does a real estate agent need to do to be successful in this market? You know, there was this guy, I think he's, I'd call him a dinosaur, been in the business for 26 years, you said, Brian? Yeah. Um, <laughs> used to say all the time, like, call people, see people. That is the, the, the secret to this, right? Call people, get in contact with them, like Tyson was talking about. Have these conversations. As Gary Keller says, be the real estate expert of choice, which means you got to know these numbers. you got to be able to talk to these people about these numbers. Where's the market going? What are some of these potential closet uh, issues that may be coming up? Um, and, and just have these frank conversations and, and be having the conversations with them, right? Uh, don't those that are waiting for the deals, for the foreclosures to hit, be talking to them about that. Are you following the NED lists that are being filed? Are you following actually how many of those get issued a certificate of purchase? Because there's a massive difference between those things. Mm -hmm. So people are either curing, selling, or finding some other solution before it actually hits the trustee sale. And when it does hit the trustee sale, a small minority are actually going back to the banks. So if you're waiting for the foreclosures to come, it's not going to happen. Nothing the near future at least at least endeavor yeah, yeah it's it's not it's it's like less than one percent of the market i believe is what i saw the other day yeah. right yeah but everyone was wondering and there was always the kind of that black cloud with the forbearance agreements and when people got out of those or were kicked out of them when they hit their 18 month limit what was going to happen to those people there's still a chunk that is kind of sitting out there and past loss mitigation but not performing on their loan so there's some but again because of the flippers that are out there, there's people that are snatching them up uh, at the at the uh, public trustee sale um, there. Or if a seller really gets in a tight spot, throw it on the market. If you've been in the house for over five years, you're going to walk away with some money in your pocket, well, most likely. I, th- I feel like there's a piece you're missing there or you, you, you overstepped when you went to, you know, you talk about people in distress and then you jump to the foreclosure sale at the county. And then you reference the, what the flippers and the wholesalers are doing. That's what real estate agents need to be doing. Right. You need to Find be out the there inventory. On, on the doors, yeah. knocking doors. I hate to say it. You got to be back on the phones, cold yeah. calling again. Call people, see people. That's yeah. right. Yeah, but, but when, <laughs> so you say that, that. when you say that, people think they're friends and family. And the reality is, is most people, you know, Dunbar's law is you got 75 relationships in your life, right? That's the law of Dunbar. And... So the reality is, is most real estate agents never build their database bigger than 75. It's the truth, right? We know that 85% of all leads or all agents never follow up with a client after closing. It's because they hit their law of Dunbar. They just don't understand how to manage the relationships. So what do you do if you don't have a database? If you haven't been in the business 11 years managing a beautiful team and perfection, right? You've got to get out there. You know, I mean, I, I went out, I knocked 100 doors this past week. I met three sellers. That we're like, one lady's like literally packing her Jeep and she's like, I'm moving. I'm getting divorced. I'm moving. I'm, out, I, I'm moving out of here. The, her next door neighbor, next house over says, he says, um, I'm 87. I'm looking for, you know, assisted living places, right? These people are calling, right? They weren't going to call me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not going to call me. So I got to knock on those door, doors before you. You just got to, yeah. Right. I get you. What? comes down to a SWOT analysis, right? Start with what relationships do you have? Which ones are the people that will select you as a real estate agent? Pour into that. Build a moat around that relationship. Protect that thing. For sure. Right? And then figure out, okay, this is my nest egg over here with these group. Now, what do I want to do to add to it? Mm -hmm. Open houses, we heard from Tyson, is an option. Door knocking is an option. You know, uh, door knocking NED list is an option. Yep. You know, anything you can do to get in front of those. That's, you know, back in 
07, 08, we were door knocking the NEDs. That's all we did. Yeah. Yeah. Right? The 5 by 5 die 10. <laughs> right? crazy. Five houses on either side and the 10 across the street. Yeah. And you're just knocking everybody on that stuff. Yeah. yeah, we used to have to sort them by postal code, so we just follow the postal carrier route so it was efficient. <laughs> That's awesome. Because you're just walking. There right? are so many of them. I do have a fun one also that I'm getting into is I go back to MREA, right? Gary Keller's book on teaching us what to do. Because now we have to learn it again. Because, again, houses have just been raining on us lately. So now, um, what's, the, what's your best lead source, your best lead to close? A referral. A referral. Too easy. A met or a referral. Too easy. Then what's next in the book, right? Do you guys recall? Past client? It's, it, it's, a, it's your vendor partners. Okay. okay. So what I'm working right now is a, a business networking group to help them build their businesses. Once I help them grow their businesses, then hopefully I just get more referrals by helping them grow. That's beautiful. So millionaire yeah. business network, call your boy Tyson. If you guys want to know more That's about beautiful. that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, though, I think one of the things it's still the basics, right? It comes down to your database, right? And so, uh, we always said, uh, I was always told when I started that everyone will know five people who will buy or sell real estate in the next year. That was a pretty standard thing that everybody was telling real estate agents that was a trainer, right? All the big guys were saying that. So let's say the market goes down by a number of transactions by 20%. So now we're at four, right? Mm -hmm. So really what it comes down to is, is I think, increasing the size of your database and effectively communicating. Now, one of the things I think that's really interesting is, is, you know, everything that we've talked about today is stuff that we've done for a long time. Where does, like social media and uh, video play into this now with with agents becoming successful because uh, we just had a class in here where I showed a guy out of Orlando who has 35,000 YouTube subscribers, okay? And that's bigger than any database I've ever heard any agent mm-hmm. ever have, right? So how does that play into it moving forward, do you think? Is, there, is this thing about having a real estate celebrity status in your market, a real thing. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you do that? What do you do? Well, video and all of that in social media just helps you portray that you're the expert. Every client, every person that wants to buy or sell a house wants two things. They want somebody that they can trust and they want the expert. So how do you, how do you, as someone that you do not know, how do you help portray that? And a social media yeah. is the best way to do it. Well, I think, though, it's changing because it's shifting from more... Because if you look at, like, what YouTube is, like, we all go to YouTube to learn something, right? Like, I'm going to go to YouTube to, to learn something. Some people use YouTube for entertainment. But really, if you look at, like, the things that are really growing, like TikTok, it's entertainment, right? And I don't know if you guys follow Ryan Serhant. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, the guy's... I'd love to hate him. I would. There's nobody on this planet I would love to hate more because I'm a hater. <laughs> and he is but just damn so. It, I respect you. you I know? do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And he's so spot on in the stories. He tells these funny personal stories about himself or his clients and stuff. And it's so engaging and entertaining and it just draws you in. And I think that's the mistake when I see a lot of people, including myself, right, when I do video, is I'm focusing too much on making sure I'm t- looking smart or being smart or coming across a certain way instead of, hey, is this actually fun to watch? Yeah, and are you relatable, and is it fun? Is it is fun? Is it funny, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Are you authentic? I think yeah. is the biggest key to that sort of piece. Is yeah. you got to be able to translate your authenticity. If you're saying, hey, I'm here to help, I'm 
you better look authentic in that yeah. statement. Um, otherwise, you're not going to become that expert that right. Tyson was referring to and stuff. Right. You but look back. I also think it's part of who your target audience is, right? If I'm going to go after the boomers um, to go for senior citizen or assisted living type of business along those lines, spending time on TikTok is going to be a waste of my time. Yeah. Because they're not there. But not Facebook. My mom is all over <laughs> Facebook. Like, you can't post anything without my mom liking it. Well, I think it, what. history will show that around 35% of the buyers are first-time home buyers, who are the first-time home buyers of today. Yeah. Those are the people that are on TikTok and YouTube and uh, you know Twitter and, and all the other things out there. And I don't think Twitter. You don't think Twitter? No. Well, you know, I think different social medias do different things, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so... I think you there's there's opportunities to do it all. You said thirty five year olds. Well, okay, they're not so, on Twitter. Yeah, we'll have another podcast about that, Sean. <laughs> but, do I hear another bet coming yeah, between exactly. you two? <laughs> the point is, is that you can expand your database by a big number that we didn't have the opportunity to twenty years ago, really even ten years ago. Really, it's because there's so many different ways to advertise and and market and and really become a real estate celebrity. So, a couple minutes left here. So is there anything else that agents need to do to be successful in this market? Let's wrap this up. So uh, each of you, one last thing. Consistency, I would say. You know, pick some sort of lead generation activity, door knocking, open houses. We, you know, threw out a bunch of different ideas here. Um, find one and master that. So spend the time. Don't go deep into that. Wait and continue to do this activity. Been, wait before you jump to the next shiny object um make sure you've really gone all in as much as you can on that that one lead lever if you have a class on that i'd like to take that (laughs) learn how to not all of these i agree yeah (laughs) um we all suffer from it it's just part of the business it just comes like um i would say negotiation problem solving like this is back to like practicing your scripts you know there's gonna be a lot more objection handlers that you need to be prepared for when you're meeting with people and so I think practicing your scripts now, if someone's going to give you a no because of interest rates, because of this, because of that. And if you don't know how to dig into and find their motivation, well, then you're not skilled enough to do this job. And please refer me all your business. I'll pay you 25%. <laughs> oh, damn. But you're, he's right. Uh, practicing your scripts at the kitchen table is a recipe for disaster. That's right. Go fail forward. That's yeah. right. Um, I, I would say hands down comes to motivation because if you look over the past 10 years, you had buyers that were excited to call you. They were, they, the motivation came from the clientele and now your motivation is intrinsic. So nobody's going to call you at eight in the morning and say, Hey, I want to go look at houses this afternoon. Or at least if it happens, it's going to be a lot fewer. So the motivation is going to be much more intrinsic. You're going to have to really attach to your why, your purpose, what you're doing, what impact you're trying to make, and really hold on to that when the world isn't reflecting it back to you. And that is hard, right? It's easy when clients are saying, hey, I want to go, hey, right, can right. I come and see this house? Yep. And that's pretty much the last 10 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now so, you have to go find them. Now you got to say, I'm going to get up. I'm going to get to the gym. I'm going to get to the office. I'm going to prospect two hours like it or not, right? Or I'm going to go door knock in the wind at 28 degrees, which is what I was doing. And it's not fun. Ryan Serhant, he used to, he'd go to the gym. That was his lead generation. Go to the gym to meet people. 
And then he would also be out front on the street corner talking to people. Yeah, right? but, you know, he's good looking. It worked for him. <laughs> yeah, that did work. <laughs> you got to uh, hit on the gym today. We were sharing before we started this thing. So what are you talking about? Yeah, good yeah. looking too, Sean. Yeah, well, been going there for nine years. <laughs> Once in nine years. <laughs> yeah, I think ultimately right now it's, it's uh, you know, using a lot of skills that we haven't had to, to use in the past and overcoming information, misinformation. And... I think one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is because Denver is a lot different than it is in other areas. And everybody hears about the national numbers and what's happening and the market's going down or or the market's crashing or whatever. And that's not really happening here in Denver, I don't believe, based on the statistics. And so what works here is probably going to be different than what works in some other city. And... Um, if you can understand the numbers and you can understand how to overcome some of the objections that people are going to give you based on what they see on CNN or Fox News or one of the main news channels, then you probably have a chance of being successful in this market. But if you don't, well, it's going to, you're going to struggle a little bit. So, One last caveat to that real quick, Brian, before we wrap up. I would agree with you. you got to have the conversations. you got to have the, the dialogues. you have to be skilled in your scripts and dialogues and whatnot. And you need to be skilled in, in knowing when it's time to walk away from a client, right? You can talk until you're blue in the face and give them all the information. They may be so dead set in their beliefs that it's comes down to, okay, next. Right. Really the attitude that you got to take is, so you got to make sure you have enough people that you're talking to where losing one isn't going to, you know, cause your car to be repossessed. Amen. Right. Well, and I think that's a great point. I mean, in the past, if you had a buyer or a seller, you knew you were getting a paycheck, mm-hmm. Right. And now you might have to have three or five yep. or seven or whatever the number is in order for you to make sure that you're going to get a paycheck, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks for your time. I want to thank uh, Keith Alba, Tyson Mullis, Sean, Sean Modry for being here. Uh, and I hope you enjoy this, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.